All right, good morning. Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church this morning. We're glad you're here today. How many of you are nice and toasty? Warm inside, warm in our hearts, cold outside, right? Let's just put that out of our heads and, and enjoy the day. We're so glad you're here. It's a day of, of worship and thanksgiving and giving praise unto our Lord. That's why we're here this morning, right? You made an effort to come and worship the Lord, and that's what we plan to do today with our singing and with our uh, uh, the message from the Word of God, what better place to be in, whether it's hot, cold, or any place in between, this is the best place to be today, right? So we're glad you're here today, and uh, as we begin our services, let's uh, just open our, our hearts and minds to uh, Him, let Him know that we're uh, focused on Him today as we uh, begin our services. I'm going to pray, then the praise team is going to lead us in uh, some songs of worship, Pastor Scott will bring the message, and we'll have a great day to be in God's house. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for today. Thank you for the chance, the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we thank you for those that are able to be here because of the cold. They, In spite of the cold, they're here, but uh, we pray for those that maybe weren't able to be here because of weather conditions and, and health and other things. So we pray for them. Also, we pray for uh, our time today as we Focus on you. May we lift up our voices in song as we sing with the praise team. May we uh, lift our hearts unto you. And then as the word of God is, is uh, declared, we pray that we might apply it to our own lives, that we can be changed because of what your word says. We pray that today you would get honor and glory for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with the praise team as we uh, praise our Savior with Come Thou Sound.
I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I want to read uh, a few verses from Romans chapter 8. These verses are about salvation, sanctification, and glorification. Romans 8, 28. For we know, and we know, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is talking about the sovereignty of God and salvation. It's talking about when God calls somebody to be a part of his family, to be transferred from the family of the devil to being transferred to the family of God. God is sovereign in all these things. God works in the heart of a believer. From the beginning, they become a child of God throughout their lives. They become glorified in his presence in heaven. His hand is over us at all times. He never takes his hand off the wheel. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Lord is with you. And the Bible says, if God is for you, if he's with you, who can be against you? Who, who cares who may oppose you in this world, who may uh, rise up to say you're wrong or try to uh, be a, a force against you? God says, if he's for you, you've got all that you need. So with that, let's pray. And uh, we'll pray for Pastor Scott as he uh, delivers your word as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reassurance that you give us in your word. Your word reassures us, reassures us it comforts us. It gives us peace, Lord, that passes understanding because we know that if you're for us, who can be against us? Lord, your presence, your, uh, your word, and your spirit will never leave us, never forsake us. Lord, we can be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. In every trial, every trouble that we face, Lord, we pray that you will remind us of that, help us to, to rest in that assurance. Lord, we pray for Pastor Scott as he opens up your word. Help us to be reassured from your word and from your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Start. You are not off to a good start. Is God among us or not? Hey, unfreeze them, y'all. Is God among us or not? It's a question. It's, 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 a, it's an honest question. Is God among us or not? As a church body, as an individual, is God among us? And that delayed response. Now, there's all kinds of reasons for that. I won't beat you up too hard. But uh, that delayed response isn't reassuring to hear as a pastor or maybe even in your own heart when you realize I didn't say anything. When you're walking and talking and living with God, the creator of the universe, perhaps it'll show. Perhaps, just perhaps, our lives will be just a little bit different. There's something interesting happened throughout the Bible. Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and Paul, the church, and many other church leaders as well, they prayerfully interceded for others. Say intercede. They intercede. That means step in 
between. They interceded for others. The question really becomes this, why? Why did these men of the Bible step in and intercede? Now, I know I'm catching some of you off guard right now with just like jumping straight into the message and jumping right into uh, the, the text that we're going to be at here. You could turn to Genesis 18, by the way. Get your fingers going there on your device or your phone, or I mean on your device or your, or your Bible. But the question that I'm posing, I'm posing some questions that are life-applicable questions for you. And I'm getting, it, I'm getting right to it as quick as I can because of the urgency of, the, of, of his word, because of the urgency of our life as it aligns with him. These men of the Bible uh, interceded uh, throughout uh, the, the whole the, the Bible, but these patriarchs, they interceded for people. And the question that I, wanna, I want you to think about, I have several questions for you. One is, is God with us or not, among us or not? We're going to be, remember that question. And the second is going to be, why did these men have intercessory prayer? Why did they step in and pray for other people in our culture, in our own lives sometimes, and in our own bringing up? Perhaps you've had the, uh, been brought up with the me, myself, and I. Take care of number one mentality. You got to look out for number one, and um, and perhaps that becomes your thinking so much that it causes you not to be thinking of others. Why so many intercessory prayers? Well, one of one reason for that, I think, is because these people of the Bible—Abraham, Moses, Jesus Christ Himself, Paul, and the church—that prayed for the, the fellow uh, body of believers is because we're not as strong as we think we are. Perhaps. Especially the Christians. Ooh, that got a little personal, didn't it? Perhaps we're not as strong as we think we are. You can have, this is just me speaking here, my personal opinion, you can have nine out of ten spiritual disciplines in place in your life. You can have nine out of ten spiritual disciplines just popping in your life, but that one weakness can lead to questioning. Questioning can lead to doubt. Doubt will lead to a weaker faith in the distant relationship with our Creator. I'm speaking to the believer now. If you're not a believer today, if you're on Facebook and you stumbled across Crosspoint, like what's a Crosspoint? Let's see what that's about. We welcome you. But if you're not a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, we wanna, I want to ask this question to you in Facebook or even if you're here in attendance, is why not? Why not? My wife and I had this conversation just last night i shared it again this morning in faithful life and people that uh and again these there's good there's fun loving people that are interact in my life that we cross paths daily or weekly that do not follow jesus christ don't want anything to do with him in fact they're nice people polite people maybe even nicer than some church folk just saying but what I'm getting at is this. What would it take? What would it take for a person to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What, what, would, what would an, an unbeliever need to hear? What do you need to see? And sometimes it turns into a, a conversation. They want to see miraculous things. Just prove to me. Show me. But most of the time, it's just pushed aside. You know, 
one of the areas of effectiveness in talking to other people about Jesus Christ and, and causing them to have a, 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 a pointed in the direction of there's something to this, perhaps, is his followers. It's the followers. The world is watching the Christian. You're like, yeah, I know. They're waiting to watch us stumble and fall, and, and part of that's true. But they're waiting to watch and see, is this true? Perhaps. This causes one to say, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? I want to look at these prayers. Moses, uh, Abraham, Moses, we'll look at Moses twice. And we'll touch on uh, what Jesus in his intercessory prayer as well. But Genesis 18 is where I want you to look tonight, uh, this morning. Genesis 18 and verse 22 through 32. Now, we're not, again, I'm not peeling back all of these prayers and getting into the nitty-gritty, I want you to consider what's going on in these intercessory prayers, the way that these people stepped in on behalf of other people, and ask that question, why did they do that? All right, if you're ready to go, we're in uh, Genesis 18, say, uh-huh. All right, we're ready to go. Verse 22, it says, Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near uh, and said, would you, also de- would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Verse 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to, stay, to, <clears throat> to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Question, uh, exclamation mark. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Question mark. Verse 26. So the Lord said, if I find, if, so the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham uh, answered and said, indeed now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it to upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of, all of the city for lack of five? So he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. Verse 29. And he said to him yet again and said, and he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Two more verses. And he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak out once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. All the way down to verse 32. Look at what we see. This intercessory prayer of Abraham. Abraham's prayer, uh, it's intercessory countdown. He kind of sounds like an auctioneer. What about 50? Got here, 50, 50. Give me 40. 45, 45, 45, none, 45, none, none. But that's not, it's kind of how it sounds. Who's ever been to an auction? Man, these things are cool. 
Them guys get in a cadence and a rhythm. And sometimes I've been at them. Don't make a move. If you scratch your head or something, you might be buying something you didn't plan to buy. Like a 72 Pinto or something. I mean, just don't move. But here he is, and he's having this prayer. He's interceding for, on behalf of these people. He's not doing it in a lazy, um, I learned a new word this week, loquacious. I think I'm saying it right. In this idled manner, he's not doing it in a, just, a, just to be talking. It's way too serious for that. This is life or death for people. This is life or death for people. And, and he starts at 50, and, and, and you, you, we read what happens there. It's a beautiful prayer, I suppose, because it's based on this, the righteous character of the judge of the earth. It's based on God, not the people, per, as much. Was God among them or not? Is ultimately what... The, the, the paradigm that Abraham is using to consider this group of people. Well, I think we know the answer to that. The answer was no. This prayer shows humility, fear. It shows an intimate knowledge uh, and a relationship with God. Look how he approaches God. He's very humble, isn't he? You said, you see the terminology? Let me speak one more time and don't be, I'm but ashes and dust. He's recognizing, I'm speaking to God Almighty, the creator of the universe, who holds it all, who is all-powerful. He recognizes that. I wonder when you go to our Lord in prayer, how do you go? Sometimes we go, we're distracted. I get it. Sometimes we approach him um, uh, matter-of-factly. So maybe sometimes we're too uh, lazy or sometimes we're too reverent, meaning we never get to the praying because we spend our first 10 minutes of our prayer going, oh, God, oh, God, don't don't be mad at me. God, don't get me. God, don't get me. How do we approach him? It's okay to approach him in a manner of, of being inquisitive and questioning, but never, ever forget who he is. Can you look? Can I let you look into pastor's life here just a little bit? Sometimes we hear things and see things as it relates to church, as it relates to your life. And you go, this is what we're doing now, God? I'm not allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to admit it as the pastor. You, you hear information and things happen in your life that can, I know, that, I know what I'm supposed to do, but my heart of hearts, my emotions go, oh. Sometimes we hear these things and we don't know how to approach them or approach him. The attitude of God, what are you up to now, is not a reverent one. This prayer that Abraham is interceding on behalf of these people of Sodom, are, he's approaching the character of the judge of the earth. Life happens in such a way that the believer has to actually cling to verse 25. Look in verse 25. He says, Far be it from, from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the, with the wicked, comma. He's saying, God, this is, this is not your, your character. Now, you're God. You can do what you want, but it's not like your character to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. 
Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, if you read that on the surface, you may think, oh, he's, he's convincing God. He, he's, he's, he's out lawyering God. That's what he's doing. He's using his own law. He's, mat, he's out matlocking. Matlock, remember that show? Nothing. He's out, uh, well, I won't do any of the lawyer stuff. But he's trying to outsmart God, which he, you can't do. The judge, you need to cling to verse 25. And we're, what he's doing there is saying, God, your character. It's your character. Shall the judge of the earth do right? Ready for an honest question? So was God wrong for destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? If you read that 25 on the surface, you could go, well, yeah, he's making a good point. Is God wrong for destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? And by the way, if, you don't, if you're new to Scripture, I just kind of, a spoiler alert, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah for the sinful depravity that they have. The answer to that question, is he wrong? No, he's not wrong. Did the righteous die with the wicked? Another fair question. No, they did not. There were no righteous. Look in verse 19. Look in verse 19, the one we didn't read. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. There it is. That's the righteous. To do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. That's the righteous right there. There was no righteous in Sodom or Gomorrah at that point. But I do want to make an, uh, uh, a practical life application. Did the righteous die with the wicked? Do the righteous even now die with the wicked? Carla and I, uh, this week, um, have, actually for a couple weeks, we've been watching, um, I don't know how I got her in on this, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, you kind of start binge watching here and there, and um, but we're following things of uh, World, World War II. There's a, one on Netflix right now that has really caught our attention. It's, it's the real footage, and it's, it, but it's added the, the color. I've learned more about the history of World War II just in this last week. I thought I knew it, but not, not like this. And, and you see the devastation of war. Do righteous die with the wicked? Well, we could look at that and go, well, yeah, so how does, how does that work? You know what the Bible tells us? That there were none righteous, first of all. The only righteousness is found is in Jesus Christ. Does it rain on the just and the unjust? Yes. Why did Abraham intercede for Lot's family? Maybe. For Lot, maybe. For people, probably. And even if the righteous died with the wicked, it's still not the same. Why is it not the same? The righteous have a hope. That means a promised outcome. And the wicked have no hope and eternal punishment. Did you see that? So we're going to put that aside. And so back to the question of this. Why did Abraham intercede on behalf of these individuals? Because he knew that only God, only our creator, he knew that only a right, working, faithful relationship with him is the only way for salvation. 
He's praying for that chance and that opportunity. We're going to table Abraham for a moment. I want you to consider Moses again. Another great intercessory prayer. Turn to Exodus chapter 32. So we did see there in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, to answer the question, is God with us, among us, or not? Well, in Sodom and Gomorrah, the answer was no. And he knew it. He knew it. There was no doubt about it, that, that Abraham knew it. Now turn to Exodus 32. In verse 9, 32 verse 9, as I'm reading through the Bible in a year, many of you are, many people have signed up this year. Good job on signing up. Now, do the work. You got to do the work. We are two weeks into, what are we, two weeks? Yeah, ish. Into January. Hopefully you're, you're not behind yet. Don't, don't, you're not a good time to get behind. But as I'm reading through the Bible in a year, I've already passed through this part of it. But we see that uh, Israel has been led out of Egypt. They're led out in, in Exodus. That's where that term means. They're led out. We've, they've watched God do miraculous things. And they've watched a people group. His people starting to get a little wonky. They're starting to get a little wonky. Consider this um, intercessory prayer that Moses has for of Israel, Exodus 32, verse 9 through 14. Verse 9, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. That word stiff-necked people, I actually did a study on this a while back. I'm like, why didn't it just say a, a prideful people? It says a stiff neck. That was the imagery of a stiff neck, trying to, you ever heard the saying, you can't you can lead a water to the horse, but you can't lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Like, you ever try to take a horse's neck and force it to drink? It ain't. That's a stiff-necked. That's where that term, and that's what that means in verse 9. Now, therefore, let me alone, in verse 10, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pled with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Verse 12, why should the Egyptians speak and say, he, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars in the heaven and as, as this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. We learned some things, but perhaps it may raise a few questions. Let's see where we go with this one. Moses uses strong logic strong logic look at what he says in verse 11 he's speaking to god now he's speaking then moses pled with the lord his god and said <clears throat> lord why does your wrath burn hot against your people say your people if you're a believer and follower of jesus christ that makes you his people i got people I got family members, I got church family, I, got, I like that term, I got people. 
I know a guy. That's another one of my sayings. I know a guy. I got people. But you want to be his people. And how do I know that? Because John chapter 1 tells us those who follow him have the right, have become into that family. Brad mentioned it during our offering right there. You're changing families when you come to Christ fully. When you're a genuine believer, you've just changed families. And you're in the heavenly fathers. You become your people. Now, keeping it in context, that's important. He's speaking to Israel here. As believers in 2024, we've been grafted in. We're, we're there. But he uses this logic of your people. The back part of verse 11, God cared enough to deliver them from Egypt. Look at the back part of that. After it says, your people whom you have brought out of the land with great power and with a mighty hand. <clears throat> God cared enough to deliver them out of Egypt. Why not just leave them be? Because he had a plan. He had a purpose. But it was going to take God being among them. Is God among us today is a question I want you to think about. I got you scared now. You guys are going to amen to man every time I say it. The Egyptians, the third logic he uses, the Egyptians would see and they would think they have won. Look in verse 12. Why would the Egyptian, why should the Egyptians say, yeah, he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains and to consume them by the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from the, from the harm to your people. Don't let the Egyptians think that they've won, or perhaps Moses is saying they, they, would, they would have won. But that's not what's going on here. Did Moses intercede? Did Moses change the mind of God? Fair question. Look in verse 14. I'm going to answer that with a kind of. Now, what do we mean by that? So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Kind of, but not really. Listen, you cannot change the mind of God. He is immutable, the book of Hebrews. He's, he, he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, here, here's the answer to that question. God had only threatened judgment. He didn't decree it. Are you with me? You with me? Say, uh-huh. Don't people will read that and say, yeah, see, Moses changed God's. You may come, that may creep into your heart, or somebody may even ask you, why pray? If God already knows what he's going to do, why pray? You're not going to change his mind. But what he decrees is going to happen. God only threatened judgment. How many times does the Bible give us warning after warning after warning? Gives us example after example after example. He's immutable. He is not indecisive. There's a theology out there that says, yeah, God knows the future, but he can't alter it. It's not what the Bible tells us. All things that are are because he decrees. He wouldn't be omniscient or, or omnipotent if so. I'm grateful he uses words and things the way he does as a discerning believer so that human beings can understand these things. We're going to pick up Moses again in a moment and in the application, but I want to pose that question again. Why did Moses pray for them? Perhaps because he could have been one of them. Consider yourself as we're praying for others. Only but for the grace of God, there go I as a 
familiar mantra in our circles. Put a pause on Moses. Go to Luke 22 as we consider the intercessory prayer of Jesus Christ. I am grateful to know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, that he is constantly making intercession for his children. Constantly. Uh, and he says in Timothy, uh, there's but one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You ain't good enough, you ain't rich enough, and you ain't strong enough to get to the place where you get to be before the creator of the universe. Luke 22, 31 and 32, you can really identify with this because here comes a guy, Peter. Remember Peter? He's, I call him spiritually bipolar. Um, and by the way, this week I was at a prayer group at, on Sunday morning, and uh, you people have, you've known me for years now, decades even, and you know my uh, isms, right? Scotty-isms, and I say these things. I just used one of my top shelf lines there, Peter being spiritually bipolar. I come up with that all by myself. I use it here, nothing, because you've heard it about 800 times. I used it in prayer group with three other pastors, and they about fell over laughing so hard over that line. So I would appreciate some chuckles when I do all this work I'm on my comic relief, my spiritual comic relief here. Still nothing. Peter, you can identify with this in verse 31 and 32 of Luke 22. Why? You'll see. Verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, twice he calls his name. This isn't Simon and Simon, the TV show. Simon, Simon, Jesus gave him that name, by the way. I uh, gave him names. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, that's scary right there. If 30, verse 31 ended right there, Peter would be hopeless. Peter would have no, what would he do? You know, nowhere in the Bible are we told to approach, have conversations with the devil. Flee is, is what the Bible says. But verse 32, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I love this prayer. Jesus' intercessory prayer, he's stepping in for Peter, is also unveiling what Peter doesn't know. Peter doesn't know that Satan asked for him. The way this reads, he asked for him by name. Reminds me, reminds me of the book of Job. You know, who brought up Job's name first in his dialogue between good and evil? Who brought up good and holiness, uh, evil and holiness? Who brought up Job's name first between the devil and God? You know who brought Job's name up first? God did. Hey, have you considered Job? You know, and let's be honest, sometimes in my prayer life, I, I want to go, Lord, please don't mention my name to the devil. I'm having a hard enough time right here, right now by myself, it feels like. But if God mentions, he's because he has a purpose. And he also has the power. God is able to perform what he has promised, the book of uh, Romans tells us. So here we are. He, Peter just got information that he did not know. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And he asked for others. The word you here in the Greek is plural. That's what you means in verse 31. You. He's saying y'all. He's asked for 
Y'all, the context there is probably the disciples, okay? Verse 32. I have prayed for you in verse 32. The word you in verse 32 is singular. Hey, Peter, Satan has asked for y'all, but I have prayed for you. See the difference? That is, tell me the word of God isn't special in the way that God chose these words on purpose. Now, I am not a wordsmith. In fact, if I have grammatical issues, I go to Brittany or I go to Brittany Fryman or Karen Stanhope for grammatical things. I'm not a wordsmith, but I am always impressed and overwhelmed with how the Bible has been constructed. You know what? It makes me think God knew what he was doing. The Holy Spirit knows what he is doing as he constructed the word of God and placed it in our laps today. Jesus prays for all of them in John chapter 17. But here he prayed for Peter by name. And the prayer was that Peter would win. Peter would win. I love winning. Now I'm not talking about sports and I'm not talking about all those other things. I'm talking about winning at life. Winning in the increments and winning in the end. If you're a child of God, you win in the end. Read it. Read the back. You win. But we need to win in these daily battles. And that was a battle, a daily battle that Peter was fixing to have. He was praying, Peter, that you win. So now Peter knows the devil asked for him. He knows a trial is most likely coming because that's what the devil does. But also knows that Jesus has interceded for him. The only thing that could mess it up now is his faith. That's how he prayed. But I have prayed for you, how? That your faith should not fail. Faith in me. You're following me. Peter loses some battles of faith, but Peter wins the war, the faith war in the end. You think, well, how do you know? He messed up. He denied in front of the, he denied in front of the girl in the courtyard when Jesus was being scored, uh, beaten down. How do we know? Because we look at his life in the end. You ever heard the book of First and Second Peter? Read those books. He wins the war. He may lose a battle or two. Why did Jesus pray for Peter? Well, there's probably several reasons. But one is for the furtherance of the faith. Furtherance of his faith. And he also, look what he says in verse 32. Strengthen your brethren. You know what that is? That has a multiplying effect. I got two good newses for you. One is I'm on my last page of notes. I'm looking out, and everyone's got that look on their face like, get to it, Pastor. You got that look on your face like, we, we, we got you. But I'm going to start priming that question again. Is the Lord among us or not? It's a question only you can answer. I can cheerlead you to get the response that I want. But that's not the same as a genuine response, is it? There's some honorable mentions of, a, of intercessory prayers. Paul, 1 Timothy. The church prayed for Paul and others a whole bunch in Ephesians and 1 Timothy and Acts. The Holy Spirit is, is constantly making intercession for us. Jesus Christ makes intercession in Hebrews chapter 7, Romans 8, 1 Timothy 2. But now, for the application, I want, you to go, I want us to go back to Moses. And I want us to turn first 
to Psalm 106. Turn to Psalm 106 and bookmark that. After you turn to Psalm 106, I'm going to have you go to Exodus 17. Psalm 106 and then Exodus 17. Psalm 106 is a summary, if you will, of the life and events of Israel as a nation out of Egypt. It's a summary. It's a very, extremely broad summary in Psalm 106, 19 through 25, ultimately, is where we're going to go. You may think, well, Pastor, usually you don't read this much scripture. Usually you just, you you exposit. You read a handful of verses and you exposit that out. This one is different. Today is different because of the, the, the topical type of message of where I want you to consider today, and that is, is God with us or not? Psalm 106, verse 19 through 25, and it reads, They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox and eat grass, that eat grass. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said, that he, should, that, that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach. There is the intercessory prayer in verse 23. Moses stood in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them. For again, this wasn't decreed. God threatened judgment, but he didn't decree it. Verse 24 and 25. Then he despised the, the uh, pleasant land. They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. So let's unpack that for just a hair and see what happens here. They made a calf in Orb. They made a calf. And I, I just, again, I just read this going through Exodus. You may not be there as of yet. But Moses is on Mount Sinai face to face with God. Face-to-face -face in worship, face-to-face -face in communication, getting instruction, and they become restless. They become, is God among us or not? And they want something different. And Aaron, the, his brother, the priest, decides to allow them to make this golden, or he helps do it, actually, uh, make this golden image. They had broken the first three commandments that God was giving upstairs on Mount Sinai. They had broken them like that. The first three. The ink's not dry yet. Well, there was no ink. He wrote it with his finger. But they broke the first three. Thus they changed the glory of the image of an ox that eats grass. That was very common in that day, by the way, as well. They forgot God, their Savior. Isn't that interesting? The word Savior is used there. Well, why would they use God as Savior? Because he saved them. They were in bondage. They were in strict bondage. In fact, the more God told Moses, say, you got to go to Pharaoh, let my people go. I want their worship. They weren't worshiping God in Egypt. I want them to worship me. Moses, we're going to help that. You be my mouthpiece. Moses stammers around. I don't speak well. He gets his brother who's no help. And then 
they're going before Pharaoh, and then things got even worse. God saved them from oppression, from death. Who had done great things in Egypt? Remember all them plagues that were happening, them ten plagues that happened? Uh, they happened in Egypt, but they didn't always happen to Israel. God had put his protective hand on them. He was showing his hand to Egypt, if you will. Wondrous works in the land of Ham. Awesome things by the Red Sea in verse 22. In verse 22, what do we see? Supernatural event to where the Red Sea was split. Now some say, well, that's fairy tale stuff. That's allegory. Is that, did that really happen? The, that really happened. The Bible shows the Exodus. And in fact, when you look at Egypt's history, they kept really good documents of history. But none of this is mentioned. You know why? Because in Egyptian history, anything that made the country or the government look bad, they would omit from history. Do we ever do that? Do we ever do that in our personal walk? Do we do it in our governments? Do we do it? Anything that makes us look bad, we kind of want to ignore that. We got to take that medicine and own that. But the point is, God was their Savior who brought them uh, out of Egypt. Done these wondrous works, awesome things by the Red Sea. He said he would destroy them. Moses steps in in verse 23 and that, that we had read about in Exodus earlier. Then they despised the pleasant land, but they complained in their tent. You know what I've learned about complaining? A lot of times it starts in our own heads. And maybe it filtrates to our own family or people closest to us. And then it makes its way to other complainers. Sometimes we're in our own heads too much. We need, you need your LifePoint Bible study group leader. When you feel yourself going that way, reach out to your leader and say, hey, I'm ahead. My head's kind of messed up right now. Am I seeing this right? They complained in their tents. What's that mean? They were in their units. They were with the people that they could influence and or feed into the complaining. They did not heed the voice of the Lord. What's the end result of all that? Now go to the Exodus 17, verse 7. Here it comes. Here it comes. This one verse in my reading, this one verse in my reading through the Bible in a year, I'm, I'm reading through, I'm reading, and one morning I read this one verse, and it's one of them verses that made me, I kind of, it really spoke to me. It's a simple, small verse, and it rocked me in my personal life. It reminded me to put this at the center of Cross Point Baptist Church. The center of who we are is right here in verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 7. So we called the name of the place Massa and Meribah. Because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Wait, is the Lord among us or not? They had, things got hard. They became forgetful. They became ungrateful. They became demanding and stopped seeking God. The heartbreak here 
for them. And I don't want it to become a heartbreak here for us. Is that they weren't even sure if the presence of God was with them or not. They weren't even sure. If we're not certain that God is among us, then what are we doing? Go do something else. Don't. Go do something. As Cross Point Baptist Church, the core of who we are is we got to know that the Lord is among us. I'm grateful for this verse. Let it not be so at Cross Point Baptist Church when we answer that question, if we were to say, if we were to ask that question, is the Lord among us or not? I'm going to ask that question to you. And I want you to respond in a way. That is genuine. I'm not trying to whip you into a frenzy. I'm also not attempting to talk you into something. I'm going to ask it three times. And I want you to answer with an amen or a silence. I'm I'm good with it. Sometimes the best place to be is to know where you are. Sometimes we don't even know where we are. I'm going to ask the question that that is posed in verse 7. Here it comes. Cross Point Baptist Church, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Sometimes we get information that we don't like. I've got some information back in November that wasn't what I wanted, wasn't what I thought. And it was so dis, I just went, eh. holidays are coming, we'll push you aside, we have time. And as time moved forward, I knew the first of the year was coming, and we do things here that I'm like, well, this is information that I'm going to have to share with the church. No way, I wasn't worried about that. Sharing information is not the problem. My area as pastor for all these years is leading in a direction that is in the point of God, Period. I've watched him do things that's been wondrous like Israel got to see God move in this church body. And the greatest wonder, the greatest miracle that I could present to even someone who's an atheist and wants nothing to do with God is a regenerated life. It's the greatest miracle. It's in this room. I get this information And in my heart of hearts, I became, became kind of some of these things. Now, I, I mask it well. You, you're not going to see it. But I don't like always sharing news. And I, I'm glad I let time pass because I was reminded that God is among us. You're, the leaders of Cross Point Baptist Church led me back to God is, God is among us. There's been times when we've looked at hurdles that have been just unbearable. Like, what are we going to do? I don't know. There's other times we hear these things just get worn out and broke down. But you know, our God is sovereign. And he's in complete control. And he's omnipotent. And he's omniscient. And he knows how we're going to act and react. He knows what we're going to do. We don't always know what he's going to do. But that's why Jesus prayed that Peter's faith would not fail. That's why our prayer for each other should be that our faith would not fail. Here's the news that I got. I got a letter from, uh, we, have, we only have two debts at our church, by the way. 
we have our mortgage and we have a promissory note that kind of goes with the mortgage, but it's not directly attached. We have two debts. That's it. One's a big one and the other one is the smaller one. I got a note from the smaller one on the promissory note that uh, at the end of five years, which was in October of 23, that uh, we think we're going to call the note. I, we, I set up a phone appointment uh, right around Christmas time. We have a great dialogue with this individual from BBFI. We had a great conversation. He said, Scott, more or less, you guys are doing great. We're not worried about that, but we're getting out of the loan business. But you guys have been so faithful. We haven't even been late on a payment. Not even late, y'all. He said, I've talked this through with the board, whatnot, and here's what we're going to do. He said, we're, we're going to extend the loan for five more years. But I, I want an understanding that in five years, we're going to call this promissory note. We're going to call it in five years. So we have a five years is the biggest telegraphed punch coming, right? It's coming in five years. And this is the note that I got. It was not Disney. In five years, a note of $124,000 will be called. So when I got that in November, my attitude was like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And over the time of the leadership here and over the time of talking this through I'm, I don't know why I or we as human beings or as Christians even do this we tend to get like oh god what next we think that walking in him is a life of comfort and ease but he does these things to show himself that he is among us to test or to try our faith or build our faith the question is this, is the Lord among us or not? I'm encouraged by the leadership of Cross Point Baptist Church uh, to, to remind me of the spiritual matter. We're not, listen, we've had bigger hurdles than this, but it's not the size of the hurdle, it's the faith. It's not the size of the mountain, but the size of the mountain mover. It's the size of the faith. So in five years, uh, we are going to be called on for $124,000. In the next coming weeks, I'll, we're going to share a plan. We have a great plan. Uh, but it's not a full, you know, it's, it's a plan. It's all it is. It's finances. But I will say this, and I'm going to share these numbers in the weeks following that, oh, we're gaining on all this stuff. Every bit of it, we're gaining on it. When I saw that number, I saw the size of the mountain and went back in October, November. Today, I look at that number and go, what's, I don't know, what's, what's the big deal? We have five years. We know it's coming. God is our God. We have a plan. We're going to work a plan. But here is the key to it all. If we don't have this, the first, this number does not matter at all. And it's the next slide that I want to show you right here. Is the Lord among us or not? If he's among Some people hear numbers and they get scared. They, they, it could cause fear in, in our hearts. I guess what I'm ultimately saying is don't be scared. Don't be scared when we see things that come our way. He's either your God or he's not. And if he's not, make him your God. How do you make him your God? By having that proper relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the next step, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. God ordered this. 
Because we are the righteous, not because we're good and clean. We're righteous because of our righteousness is found in him. One last time I would ask the question, is the Lord among us or not? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. We're going to have a time of prayer when you can come and pray. But you have to share this up in your personal life. And then when we come together, this will be shared up as a church body. To put him at the throne of our heart and the throne of our lives here at Cross Point Baptist Church. Dear Lord, take this time and make it your own. This is a time for individuals to come, to pray. Many aren't here today. We recognize that. But it is also a time for them to come and consider, consider whether you are on the throne of their heart or not. You're going to use life. You're going to use situations and circumstances. These teenagers are hearing these things. They're watching as well. But when we watch and have faith in you and do the next right thing, you're honored, we're blessed, and your name is glorified. So share these things up in our heart during this invitation prayer time. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with the praise team as they lead us in this one song? You uh, are free to come and pray and do any business with God that you may have. Andrew.
dismissed.